This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Now, here's Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins. Right now, let's bring on Joe Giglio, appearing on the Roman guest line. He's the co-host of BetQL Daily, immediately after us with Joe Ostrowski and Aaron Hawksworth. And like I said, you can hear him on WIP in Philadelphia weekday evening. So, Joe, we've got to ask you about uh, the Sixers game last night. What a game. And I think both of us thought that this was a trap line because it was Sixers minus one and a half. But lo and behold, the Sixers cover as they win in overtime. What was your biggest takeaway from the Sixers last night? Yeah, I felt it was more of a grown-up Sixers game by them. I mean, they've had these ups and downs of the playoffs the last couple of years, guys, where you know they'll win first-round series, they'll get knocked out in the second round. But they usually lose a game like last night. At least that's been their history in the postseason. And I thought it was the biggest moment of Joel Embiid's career, hitting that shot. Uh, before last night, he was 0-14 in his career in those kind of moments, final seconds, overtime, regulation, you know, game-winning chance. He just never hit one of those shots before. And he missed one at the end of regulation. He made that one at the end of overtime. And that was Toronto's best punch. I mean, everything, and, and I was with you, Chelsea, everything yesterday seemed to line up for Toronto. Uh, you know, no Matisse Stiebel for the Sixers because he's ineligible to play. Uh, Gary Trent back and, and I guess healthy enough to, to be effective for the Raptors, the home crowd. And then you throw in uh, Mark Davis as a referee who, who swallows the whistle. And you saw that throughout the game. He's not letting him beat and Harding get to the foul throw, free throw line as much as normal. So I think it all lined up for a Raptors win. The fact that Sixers still won the game, uh, I, I think it, it, it tells us all this series is, uh, is about to be over now. Joe, what does it say about Joel Embiid that when Doc Rivers, first of all, who made a fantastic call to get that timeout so the shot clock wouldn't go down and they could reset up the play. That they call for a play, he draws up a play where Joel Embiid comes off a screen, a big man comes off a screen and hits a fallaway three like that. If that's not a testament to Embiid's skill and the trust that Rivers has in him, I don't know what is. Yeah, it's a great point, Jenks. It is. He's become such a gifted shooter and with a soft touch. I mean, he's I mean, he's really one of the best shooters as a big man we've ever seen. I mean, Dirk Nowitzki was a different kind of big man, obviously more of a power forward and, and really a shooter. But Joel has developed him. He's a great free-throw shooter, and he can shoot from the outside. Some of the fans you know, in Philadelphia think he does it too much, but obviously the skill level's there. And they were without James Harden in that moment, so the question was, because you know, Harden had fouled out, the question was, is the ball going to Tyrese Maxey? Is it going to Joel Embiid? And does it go to Embiid outside the three-point arc? And the fact that that play, the way it was drawn up for Embiid, there uh, it does show the confidence they have in him shooting and hitting any shot all right so let's pump the brakes a little bit this was an overtime win for the Sixers who have looked 
dominant in the other games against the Raptors. Once again, we have a short spread in this next game. Sixers laying two and a half on the road at Toronto. So are you willing to take the Sixers again? Or do you think that maybe we need to look at this game and think, hey, if he doesn't hit this shot, the Raptors were right there. Yeah, we probably need to look at the Raptors again, especially if Scotty Barnes is coming back and Nick Durst seemed to allude to that. That would be the case. And it was it was a Raptors game for most of the night. I mean, really, they were in control of that game. They were leading. Every time the Sixers got back, you know, within five or six, they pushed it back. And, you know, it took so very late in the game for the Sixers to actually take a lead. So it was certainly a different game, different series last night. I think what, you know, obviously we'll figure out if this is going to end in five or six and how this is going to end, maybe four. But I think what last night did uh, – it ended the series, right? The Sixers are going to win the series. It's just a matter of how many games now. I think the Raptors in game four makes sense, and then probably the whole thing ends in game five in Philadelphia. We're talking with our good friend Joe Giglio, co-host of BetQL Daily, right after us with Joe Ostrowski and Aaron Hawksworth. You can also hear him on WIP in Philadelphia weekday evenings. Joe, is it is it surprising to you? Is it a coincidence that James Harden – hasn't necessarily been the James Harden that we thought we might see maybe during this playoff series. And he wasn't on the court. He fouled out when this shot was, was taken. He didn't have a bad game, but I, I certainly feel like that the way things are shaping up for the Sixers is that he's not being sort of necessarily that second guy. They've had Tyrese Maxey step up in a big way, or is, is this what you expected as someone who follows the team so much? So when he first got traded to Philadelphia, this is not like, if you told me this is what he is in the playoffs, I would have said, what are you talking about? Cause I expected more. But after watching mm-hmm. guys over the past you know, couple months, I don't think it's there anymore. And I'm not sure if this is a hamstring issue that has still plagued him for the better part of a year now that maybe just he can't shake and he can't, he can't be the explosive athlete that he used to be. But his shooting for the better part of a year is just it's, it's going down significantly. I mean, he just does not make his jump shot like he used to. He's an inefficient shooter at this point. So his only way of scoring officially is getting to the basket and, and the free throw line. And he can still do it enough, and he's so great at facilitating and everything else he does on offense that it's not hurting the team. But my big question is, can they win deep in the playoffs with James Harden as kind of a, a, a two, number two and a half, I should say, like a, a number two or three, right? Not a true number two, not a guy that can help him beat and drop 30 when they need him. I don't know. I, I don't know if, they, if this is enough to beat Miami next round, and I certainly don't know if it's enough to beat, you know, whether it be the Celtics or – uh, the, the Bucks, whoever it's going to be in, in a potential Eastern Conference final. I, I don't know if it's enough if he's playing like this. Speaking of tough shooting, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving both had terrible nights shooting from the field. KD, 4 of 17. Kyrie, 4 of 13. And pretty quiet in the fourth quarter as the Nets lost to the Celtics. Do we think this series is over? It kind of feels like it after last night, the Celtics looking like the better team. But we've got to remember, game one, it wasn't the KD and Kyrie missing shots show. Uh, What do we expect from the Nets in the next game of this series against the Celtics? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Yeah, I just feel like Durant and Irving are too great to just have more games like this in a row. So I don't think it is over. 
But I do think the Celtics are the better team, and ultimately I think they'll find a way to, to knock the Nets out. And it, just watching these games and watching how just they're making life so difficult on Kevin Durant, it's always interesting to me when teams change throughout a season like the Celtics did and how good they've become and how great they are defensively. I think it takes us time as, as betters, as fans, to believe what we're seeing. And we have to believe it with the Boston Celtics. This is an elite defensive team, and they're taking the best scorer in the league or one of the top scorers in the league, top scorers we've ever seen, and Kevin Durant, and just making life miserable for him. Like, you know, this, it's time to stop wondering, wow, can the Celtics keep doing this? Are the Celtics good enough? Yeah, they're good enough to do anything. I mean, they can win the title. Their defense is incredible. They have a star in Jason Tatum. They're well coached. The, the Celtics, more than the, even the headline of Durant struggling, the Celtics and what they're doing to Durant, that, that's what's standing out to me right now. Joe, do, do the Nets need Ben Simmons or someone like him? There's a possibility he could return for game four, or is that something that we shouldn't even be looking at right now if we're maybe looking ahead in this series? Yeah, I mean, they do. I mean, they, they could certainly use his rebounding, uh, which they've been beating on the glass. Um, in a lot of moments, you feel like that ball is up for grabs and the Nets don't have anyone that could get it. Ben Simmons is a good rebounder. And the, the, the Sixers have missed his rebounding over the course of the season. In a perfect world, this helps them. It's a, it's a really good defender. It is a good rebounder, a facilitator. It's just, I, I mean, this is unprecedented to imagine a player coming back who's never played. Like, it's not like an injured player coming back, you know, like a Clay Thompson who has all those, all those minutes and all that history with, with his teammates and, and that coach. Like, we've never seen this before. A player off of an injury, off a trade, who's never played a minute with his co-stars in the middle of a playoff series as they're down you know, whatever it'll be when he comes back, whether it be 2-1 or 3-0, if he comes back in game four, and just dropping him in and expecting good things. Like, this isn't the preseason. It's not the regular season. So, in theory, I think Ben could help them with what he does well. It's just, it feels like, it feels like the wrong time to just drop him in a series, though. All right, so open-ended question. We have three NBA games on the slate today. Grizzlies, Timberwolves, Mavericks, Jazz, and Warriors, Nuggets. Of those three games, are there any plays that kind of stand out to you as good plays. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Memphis um, game is, is well, it's just the most interesting series to me because I, the re- overreaction to game one, in my mind, was remarkable. Like, you know, look, Minnesota's a good team, a good, nice young team, and they have a bright future, and Anthony Edwards is, is really growing by the day. But I, I didn't give – like, when I watched that game one, and they had a good game and they won – my first thought was, let me jump on the Memphis team right now to win this series. Because the price went, you know, from pretty heavy on Memphis. So I think it was minus 126 to win the series when they were down um, 0-1. And I-, I jumped on it because I just think Memphis is a far better team. And they showed it all year long. I mean, they were an excellent regular season team. Now, this will be a test for them tonight. It gave three in Minnesota. The crowd will be there and all over them. But... I just look at Memphis and I say, I, I trust them. I trust that coach. I trust their depth. I trust John Morant. And I, I just think uh, the more times that these two teams play, uh, give me Memphis uh, every time, and I, and I think I'll have a profit by the end of the series. We're talking with our good friend Joe Giglio. You can hear him on Becchio Daily right after us, along with Joe Ostrowski and Aaron Hawksworth. He's also on Twitter, Joe Giglio Sports. What's fascinating to me, at least line-wise, Joe, is so now you've got the Nuggets – getting a point and a half at home against the Warriors here. And as much as I dislike Draymond Green, he has done a really nice job on Nikola Jokic, frustrating him in this series thus far. Why is this line so short when the Nuggets just have not been able to compete with the Warriors at all? Yeah, this one is interesting to me because 
it feels like it's a test of the Warriors' motivation a little bit. And I don't mean that they're not giving their all. It's the playoffs. But these are long series. This is an older team. You know, we've seen this before where there's kind of a gentleman sweep. It ends at five. And I just, you know, are we going to get the same intensity level? Because you know the, the Nuggets' intensity level. This is, this is basically do or die. Like the Raptors last night. Um, and the six, it looked last night like it's kind of similar. Like the Sixers beat them up first two games. You felt like the Raptors were the right side last night. Ultimately, the Sixers won in overtime. I could see something like that tonight with the Warriors where most of this game, and maybe the whole game, you feel like the right side is the Nuggets. I mean, tonight is their night to get a game uh, at home. Uh, you feel like Jokic is probably going to play the best he's played so far because he has been stymied a little bit here by Draymond Green. But the line is, is tricky. It reminds me of, uh, of Sixers-Raptors, and um, maybe the right side is the, is the Warriors because I was wrong on the, uh, the Raptors-Sixers last night. Even though that one went down to the wire and kind of a bad beat if you were on the Raptors, anytime an underdog gets to overtime, you would assume that that is the right side of the coin. It wasn't. Uh, but yeah, this line certainly looks short as we see it. He is Joe Giglio. He is the co-host of BetQL Daily. Immediately after us with Joe Ostrowski and Aaron Hawksworth. And find him on Twitter at Joe Giglio Sports. Joe, great stuff as always. Thanks for joining us. You got it. Talk next week. For more, listen to The Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BeckQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.